Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Well, good morning. Welcome to New Covenant. Have you ever, you know, we say that quite a bit. Have you ever thought about what that means? Now, I'm not talking about the welcome part. Hopefully you feel welcome. But New Covenant. New Covenant. I remember a time not many years ago that uh, fellowships of believers were tended to be changing their names or they were starting up new churches and they were going from denominational names to cool names like New Life or New Hope, Anchor Church, Elevate, Vertical, Summit, sounds like they're getting higher, Cross Point, Grace Point, Life Point, any other point. It's just amazing. All I found on the line that there was 129 new names of churches that were listed. Some of them even got biblical. They called themselves Ecclesia or Agape Church. Well, as I was praying about that, I asked the Lord about, about name change. New Covenant. Not many people understand New Covenant. And, and most times when I went to a store or something and I, and I had them to fill out, they were trying to say, and they had put down new convent, new convenient, new, you know, just all kinds. Of, they didn't even know how to spell it because it's just such an unfamiliar word to us. Covenant. And over the next six weeks, beginning this morning, we're going to begin a series on covenant. Because covenant is one of those Bible words that we've lost over the years. Let me just tell you, as I prayed about that, the Lord told me something that just surprised me. Because I was praying about, Lord, should we change our name to get more in line with our culture? And the Lord just very clearly said to me, the key to the Christian life is in your name. Well, Lord, nobody knows. And it's like he said, I know. And you need to know too. New Covenant. Covenant is one of those Bible words that is probably one of the most important words of Scripture to understand because it literally makes the Scripture come together. If you understand script, if you understand covenant, you will understand how the Bible is not just 66 books randomly like a piece of the puzzle that were put together. It literally is a story of covenant from Genesis to Revelation. And it's a whole, the, the whole concept of covenant. And I realize I'm, I'm probably speaking in a foreign language to some of us. Because we don't use that word. The only time we usually use the word covenant is at marriage. A covenant marriage. We're covenanting together. And let's, by the, by the way marriages are going in our world today, we don't understand covenant. You'll get that later. From Genesis to Revelation, God's covenant promises and work is the foundation which precedes all the gracious works of God toward mankind. Understanding covenant is indispensable. I want to use... It's indispensable to understanding the gospel, the good news, salvation, eternal life. In it, in covenant, is found man's security and God's guarantees. I want to just, I want to, I want to grab your attention with something that, that I don't think we understand. 
And we're going to look at one verse this morning. I want you to turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. In the first service, I said it's the third book in the Bible because nobody reads Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. We're just going to look at one verse. We're going to lay a foundation that we're going to cover over the next six weeks. And uh, I literally, I want to I encourage you, I literally believe it can be life-transforming life for you. It literally can bring the Bible to speak new things to you, if you will understand it, if you'll come to grips with it. Deuteronomy 7, 9, I'm giving you time to turn on your phone, turn to your Bible app, not Google, Bible app. All right, Deuteronomy 7, 9, you there? I want you to read it with your own eyes. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Now the way that most of us, and I want you to look at this, I want you to think about what words do we usually Bring our focus to. If you're like me, if you were raised in church, if you were brought up in, 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 in kind of preaching that was trying to stir to get you, uh, how many of you were grow, grew up in a church that it was more about your behavior than it was about anything else? You had to be better, right? So if you were like me, when we read something like this, we say, therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, He's the faithful God who keeps covenant mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. That means if I'm not loving Him and keeping His commandments, then the problems, I got a problem with God. And most of us, here's the reason we do that. We think the world revolves around us. When we read the Bible, who are you concerned with? God or you? And most of the time when we, when we listen to preaching, what's this have to do with me? I want you to just turn your attention this morning. I want you to turn your attention about whether you love Him or whether you keep His commandments. And I want you to see what God is saying about Himself. Himself. Because if you will understand it, God has a specific purpose for telling you about covenant. About entering into covenant with Him. So, what is covenant? Today, let's just be honest, we don't use that word in our everyday language. That's why I realized I prayed all week. In fact, I've been praying for a couple of weeks, but praying for what God wanted me to say. But this week when he told me what he was going to say, and I'm thinking, oh God, we don't have a clue what that is. How do you say those words when you know it's like you're speaking a foreign language to somebody? They hear the word, but they have nothing to hang it on. So, Lord, how? And and so, I'm going to tell you what it's not. Covenant is not a contract. Most of us are familiar with contracts. We know covenant's an agreement, uh, hopefully. And most of us think of, when we think of agreeing, we think of a contract. It's a document whereby properties, goods, and services are conveyed between two entities, whether it's persons or companies or things. If you've ever borrowed money, 
Not that we would do that. If you ever bought a car on time, on payments, you entered into a contract. The bank said, I'll give you this much money, and you'll pay me back this much money with interest, and you can take this note and go to the dealership and get your car. Now, how many of you know it's not your car? It's the bank's car until you get it paid for. How many of you, how many of you have waited for, in fact, most of us now don't even wait to get a real title. We trade cars before we get it. How many of you buy a new car before you get the old one paid off? Nobody? Boy, y'all are good. There's nobody in here that owes a car payment? Anybody in here owe a car payment? You've entered into a contract. It's not a covenant because, listen, contracts can be amended. Contracts can be changed. They can even be got it. How many of you have a timeshare? Yeah? Uh, I have it here in commercials now that timeshares used to be pretty sealed. Now you can get a lawyer that can get you out of a timeshare. See, all these things, see, contracts are agreements. When I'm talking about covenant, I'm not talking about agreements. You see, most of us read that scripture as an agreement. God would be this if we loved Him and kept His commandments. God would keep to do that if we loved Him and kept His commandments. We, we talk about agreement. Folks, let me tell you something. Covenant is, agree, is, is, is something more. Here's what covenant is. Covenant is dealing with relationships and promises. Not properties or things. The Hebrew word is bereth. It's used 286 times in the Old Testament. Which literally means to bind or to fetter or a binding obligation. A contract is a binding obligation. In the Bible, it's the ultimate expression of a committed love and was usually made to define, confirm, or establish relationship. It's the giving of your whole person and life to another and the wholehearted receiving the whole person and the life of the other one. In covenant, the two are considered to be one. Now, in covenant, in the Old Testament, covenant was made. There was two kinds of covenant. There was bilateral, which means there was uh, parity. There was equal. Two kings would come together and covenant together. Covenant together said that, that when one king went to war, the other one would go to with him because they were one together. And so they were in agreement and covenant together. And we'll talk about some other stories about those kind of covenants. But here's the thing that I want you to see. The covenant that we're going to talk about that God made with us is not a bilateral covenant, but it's a unilateral covenant or a vassal covenant. That kind of covenant is one who is, one who is greater imposes an agreement or a covenant on the lesser or on the subject. God as creator makes a binding obligation to his creatures who he created. I told you I was speaking French. We have, we have such a hard time because we live in such an independent society that we're, uh, we think this whole thing revolves around us. God has another idea. This whole thing revolves around Him. 
And if we don't understand that, we're going to be fighting against that which is the ultimate key to your happiness. Your security and God's guarantee that He's going to do what He said He's going to do. So, covenant is dealing with relationships and promises. Now, here's the question. Why would God, creator of the universe, bind himself in covenant with rebellious, sinful people? Why? Isn't it strange that the creator could do anything he wanted with his creation And yet He chose to come to our level and to speak with our terms that we might come to trust Him. And that's the key that I want you to see. If you look back at your Scripture, I told you we was going to discover one verse. Therefore, know, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. Know. In other words, God entered covenant that we might know. The word is yada in Hebrew. It means to know relationally and experientially. God wasn't trying to teach us something mentally. He was trying to invite us into something relationally. God is wanting us to know Him. God instituted, He initiated covenant. Some theologians believe, well, because covenant wasn't used until Genesis chapter 6 when it talks about Noah, that God was going to enter covenant. The word, the literal Hebrew word was not used until Genesis 6 when God entered a covenant with Noah, that God was going to make a covenant with Noah. You remember that? Noah was going to be, he was going to destroy all the human life. And he was going to save Noah. He entered a covenant. He, he was making a binding obligation to Noah about the future. And you know, what part did Noah play in it? All he had to do was do what God said. He built an ark. God brought all the animals. God shut the door. God preserved them. He kept covenant. Most of us are familiar with the other sign of covenant that God made in the rainbow, right? God put a rainbow in the sky, and it's still there. Every time it rains, the rainbow is there. And what was the rainbow? That God would never destroy the earth again like that. Why would God do that? Why would God put a rainbow? Well, it had never rained before Noah. The water... Was the, the earth was watered by dew, by, by water rising and by water condensing on the land. It had never rained. And Noah, it's going to rain. But I've made a covenant with you. And I put a sign. And after, he put the sign afterward. Because the flood destroyed everything. Why would God give us a sign of covenant? Because can you imagine what would have happened to the descendants of Noah the next time the clouds started rolling in? And it thundered. Oh no. Here we go again. And God said no. We'll never go that way again. And I put a sign of covenant. I put a sign of a binding obligation. That I'm going to be true to my word. I'll never destroy the earth again like that. Covenant. Covenant. Okay. You're getting a little more feel for the word covenant. A binding obligation. God making a promise. Why would God make us a promise? Why would God tell us what He's going to do? Covenant. Here's my best way to say it. Covenant is God's advertisement of what He's promised. It's what He's going to do. 
Covenant is what God's going to do. It's imposed. It's, it's something from the greater to the lesser. God's saying, I'm going to do it. That didn't start with Noah. That started in Genesis. And God said to man, he had just created to Adam and Eve. And he said, I'm going to give you dominion over all this. I'm going to do. You will multiply. You will do this. He was saying, this is my promise to you. This is what I'm going to do through you. You can do all of this. This is my promise to you. I've created you for this purpose. There's only one thing I ask you not to do. Eat of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Isn't it funny? And here's where I want you to see the word no. God wanted Adam and Eve to know Him. And to live the life as fully as was possible for a human being to live with God's life. He wanted Adam and Eve to live in dependence in a loving relationship with Him and literally manifest all of the life of God into the earth and have authority over all the earth. And the only thing that this was is that I, for you to do that, I need you to trust me. I need you to believe me. I'm going to do all of that. And a liar shows up in the garden. Now, isn't this just like us? We believed, I say we, Adam and Eve believed a lie instead of the God who promised. Now, we can really point a finger. The reason I said we is how many of us tend to believe the lies instead of the God who promised. If we don't understand covenant, we'll never understand the faithfulness of the promises of God. I'm getting ahead of myself. Slow me down, Lord. Y'all got time, right? Ten more minutes. God cuts covenant. God enters into covenant that we might know Him relationally and experientially. That we would be so connected to Him that we would trust Him. And He could fulfill all His promises and purposes He has planned through us. The secret to man's happiness was to be a trustful surrender and submission of our whole being to the way and the work of God, our Creator. We know that man ate of the tree. He believed the lie. He ate of the tree and he lost that relationship, that inner relationship between him and God. Now that relationship was broken. God removed them from the from the garden. But here's what I want you to see. God didn't break his side of the covenant. God didn't stop what he had promised. But now, if man, now under the power of sin, was ever going to be redeemed, ever be brought back to God, God would have to do it all. Because death can't bring itself back to life. The only way that man could be redeemed was that God do it all. And God gave prophecy and promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when now God speaks to the liar in the garden. In Genesis three fifteen, God says to Satan, the serpent, He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Do you see the capital letter there, seed? He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God was saying, 
This, a descendant, an offspring of what I've created. I'm going to keep the covenant that I've said. They're going to have dominion in this earth. They're going to end up just exactly like I said. Because I'm going to be sure it's accomplished. Because an offspring of this woman, there's going to be a seed. His name is Jesus Christ. And he will bruise your head. I'm sorry. He will... What? Bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, there's going to be one that's going to take away your authority. And if God was going to do this, he was going to have to bring man to trust him. Bring man. And to trust him, man was going to have to desire it, to yield to it, to give him over to God. Here's the thing God knows about us. What you trust rules your life. What you trust, what you believe, moves and rules your entire being. Let me just say this. You live according to what you believe. I don't care what you say. You practice daily what you really believe. If you believe things are going to go wrong, you're going to practice things going wrong. How many of you said, I knew it was coming. I just knew it. I knew that was going to happen. Why did you know it was going to happen? Because that's what you believe was going to happen. What you believe, what you trust, rules your life. You trust things are going to go wrong, fear will rule your life. And you literally will walk yourself into those things. God knows that about us. And so He gives us promises to turn our attention away from those things back to Him in order that we might see what God has said and what He's promised and that He's faithful. That we can trust Him. The covenant work of God with man was to get us to trust Him. And this endeavor cost God, the whole Bible is a, a book from Genesis to Revelation about the story of God's covenant relationship with man. We can't conceive how much it cost him, but here's the thing. He deemed us worth it. All the dealings with individual men and with the people of Israel had this one objective to get men to trust him. And where he found trust and when he found trust, he could do everything he promised. On the other hand, nothing dishonored and grieved him so much as distrust. Pastor Chris just finished an incredible series. I encourage you to go and listen to it online if you haven't about entering in the rest of God. Let me tell you what the rest of God depends on. It depends on God being faithful. I can enter in and sit down and know that God is going to do what He said because He's a covenant-keeping God. I don't care what circumstances look like. God keeps covenant. He's made me promises. The one thing... You know why Israel couldn't enter the rest? Because of disbelief. Not just disobedience, disbelief. The reason we don't obey is because we don't believe Him. We don't trust Him. 
Distrust was the root of disobedience in every sin. It made it impossible for God to do his work and bless and benefit man. The one thing God sought to awaken in men by promise and by mercy and by judgment was that we would trust him. Let's go back to our scripture. Therefore, the Lord your God... He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant. The word faithful is aman, which means to be certain, enduring, to trust. We get our word amen, which means so be it, so it is. I noticed I don't get a lot of amens this morning. It's saying that God is infinitely reliable. He can be counted on at all times, constant and unchangeable. He's faithful. Look at that. Y'all are speaking scripture this morning. Why is he faithful? He keeps covenant. And those two words I want to show you this morning. Covenant and mercy. Covenant. He keeps covenant. The main way God, his grace is awakened and strengthens our trust was covenant. It's his plan. The covenant doesn't make God what he would not do otherwise. In other words, you don't make a deal with God. God says, well, you blew it, so now I'm going to have to make a covenant with you so that you will trust me. No, he he was making promises before man ever blew it. Covenant was already there. Man blew it, and God is the one who didn't break it. And he keeps making a covenant. And he keeps making a covenant. And he keeps giving promise. And he gives, keeps going and keeps going until ultimately we step into a new covenant that we'll talk about. But the whole point is, it's all about covenant. It's all about God binding himself to an obligation to redeem mankind through his promise. God is a covenant-keeping God. The covenant doesn't make him God. Covenant is there because he is God. Revealing what he's really like. Covenant, that word is bereath. Remember, 286 times it's used in the Old Testament. It means to bind or to fetter. It's a binding obligation. In other words, God is faithful to the obligation for him to keep his own promises. God initiates every covenant. Man has never initiated a covenant with God. Never. God has initiated every covenant. God is coming to you saying, I promise you this. Whosoever will believe on me, I promise you this. I give you this. Covenant. He keeps covenant. Now I want to go to this next word. Mercy. He keeps covenant and he keeps mercy. This may be one of the most important words in all the Old Testament. It's, in Hebrew, it's chesed. I know it's H-E-S-E-D on the, on the screen there, but it, it has a little deal under the H, which means it's, it sounds like a K, C-H-A, chesed. Chesed is translated mercy most of the time in the Old Testament, but it means loving kindness. It also is translated loving kindness, Steadfast love. It unfailing love. But here's the way I want you to hear it this morning. Covenant love. An obligated love. God keeps an obligation to love us. It's a steadfast loving kindness. God, when John said God is love, Kassad is what he had in mind. God is a covenant love. It's an outflow of who he is. 
God is promising all of the time. God is an outflow of promise to His creation. Covenant comes from His covenant love. He was covenant love before He created, before man fell, before anything. Because He is kased and is not bound to it only because of a covenant being made. His covenant love is greater than the covenant. That's why when man broke covenant, God could keep covenant because of His covenant love. When you've done your worst, it does not going to change God one bit. He is covenant love. Steadfast. He has bound Himself in Himself. He's obligated to love. This blows my mind. I don't even have a framework to put my mental mind around this. Covenant love. It explains to me, let me just, how many of you know David and Bathsheba's story? By David and Bathsheba, David was king when the kings went out to war. David stayed around, he was on the housetop, he saw Bathsheba. He calls Bathsheba and commits adultery, sin, commits murder. All of that to cover up his sin. Sounds like he believed a lie, doesn't it? But David understood, he was a man after God's own heart. David understood God's covenant love, and his, we don't even see it. His repentance, his confession is in Psalm 51.1. I want to show it to you. Psalm 51.1. David says, after he's caught in his sin with Bathsheba, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. That's the word kased. It's used over 250 times in Scripture. Most of the time, mercy... Loving kindness, steadfast love. But it's the same word. It's the covenant love of God. David understood the reason he could confess his sin and believe God for forgiveness is because God is faithful to love him. He trusts God's covenant love. Have mercy on me according to your covenant love, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David, the reason he could go fight Goliath, you go back and read that story. David and Goliath, which one of the favorite Bible stories, you know, Goliath, eight foot what? David, little runt. Goes out with nothing but the tools God had given him. How could he do that? How could, and we think he was really brave. I think he was shaking in his sandals. He didn't have boots. Saul's boots were too big. You do know it should have been Saul out on the battlefield. He stood head and shoulders above. He was the giant in Israel. But you see, God didn't use a giant in Israel. He used a little ruddy kid who knew covenant. Because he says, I come to you in the name, the covenant-keeping name of God. He could wing that sling, throw that stone, because he understood covenant promise. I wonder how many stones we could throw at the enemy if we understood covenant promise. David repented depending on the covenant love of God. So what is covenant? What, what, is, what does God do covenant for? Number one, covenant always is a revelation of God's purposes. 
God spells out in definite promise what He's willing to work in those with whom the covenant was made. He's given us a divine pattern of the work God intends to do on your behalf so you might know what to desire and to expect. It's a pattern so your trust could be nourished with the very things, though yet unseen, which God was working out. The covenant was to re- a revelation of what God was going to do. I'm going to make you this. I'm going to do that. All God was doing is revealing what His purpose, what His plan, to get you to trust Him. The second thing is, the covenant was meant to be a security and a guarantee. It was to be a simple, plain, human-like, as divine glory could make it. Amid all the delay and the disappointment and apparent failure, the covenant was to be the anchor of the soul, pledging the divine truthfulness and faithfulness and unchangeableness for God to perform what He had promised. Now, nothing... Let me tell you, nothing can give you security like knowing what God has said. You want to know what's your future? I want to tell you something. Most of us come to faith because God's showed us our future with Him. God, I trust you. We are to walk that way. As you entered into that new life, now walk that way. Most of us begin to... We're like Peter walking on water. We begin to take our eyes off of Jesus and start to look at the storms and waves around us. Guess what? Peter uh, Peter stopped trusting Jesus and started looking at the effects of the storm. And he began to sink. And then he put his eyes back on Jesus and prayed the ultimate prayer, Lord, save me. And Jesus picks him up. And immediately they were at the boat. All I'm trying to say, all of that is talking about covenant promise. I can depend on it. Now, you realize how many sermons you can preach on this? It's the guarantee. God is the faithful God who keeps covenant and loving kindness and covenant love to a thousand generations. Folks, listen to me. You may be looking around at the storms going on around in our world. It looks like things are really getting out of hand. Things are getting really bad. All of that. You can say, boy, is there any hope? People are saying today, well, the church is dying. The church is not going to be anymore. All that kind of stuff. Listen, i got news for you. They're wrong. Why? Because we got a covenant. No more than that, we've got a covenant keeping God. Everything else will pass away, but His Word will remain. A covenant-keeping God. You see, covenant, above all, was to give us a hold on God. As the covenant-keeping God. It's to bring us to look to God in expectation and hope, to bend upon Him as our very life source. Folks, listen. Connie and I went on vacation. We went to the McDonald's Observatory in Fort Davis. And we went up, looked, and uh, it's amazing. We saw stars. We saw Jupiter. We'll talk more about that later because it just, it just blew me away. You know, here's my big revelation. When I looked at Jupiter 
and I saw the light, that light was one hour old. I was not seeing the light of Jupiter. I was seeing the light that left Jupiter an hour ago. So when the closest star to, to, this, to this world is 4.3 to, to Earth, the closest star is 4.3 light years from Earth. So when you see the reflection of that star... You're not seeing what is current of that star. You're seeing what left that star 4.3 light years ago. When we talk about covenant, we're not talking about something that's going to be a new age, new idea, new single thing. It was something that started at the creation. And God said it. And we're still living in the light of that reflection of what God has promised And it will keep going. I live on the Word of God, not what He said just today, but what He said that is carried through the generations for thousands and thousands and thousands. Why? Because He's faithful. He's the covenant-keeping God. It'll turn out exactly why. And why is He's a covenant-keeping God? Because He is covenant love. For God so loved that He gave. And He told the liar in Eden what He was going to give on a cross and what it would do. And you and I live in the benefit of that word. Covenant. Amen? Good stuff. If only we believed him. Oh, let me just show you some more. Isaiah fifty four ten. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness, my covenant love shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant obligation of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. More certain than any mountain is the fulfillment of every covenant promise. Have you ever been on the Rockies? Have you ever been on those places? Huh. It's more certain that God will keep His word than those mountains. You live in Texas long, you want to go to the mountains. Most people in the mountains lived in Texas. I'm serious. God gave a promise. His loving kindness, His covenant love will not depart from you, nor will His covenant, His obligation of peace, of relationship with you be removed. Says the Lord. Jeremiah thirty two forty. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will turn I will not turn away from doing them what? Good. But I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Do you notice who's saying what will be done? Is I will, I will, I will, so they will not. God is the one who initiates covenant. He's the one who will perform it. He's the one who will transform you in a way that He can perform His Word in you. Covenant. One more. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, 
If we don't love and keep his commandments, even when we don't love and keep his commandments, he abides faithful. He remains faithful because he will not deny himself. He won't change. He won't change. The God who said it is going to do it. He said, well, preacher, all of this is just too good to be true. Well, it's too good for us to make it true. But it is true because the one who said it. Is truth himself. But here's the point. If we don't know the covenant promises, how can we know the covenant keeping God? What if we began to examine the words of Scripture as terms of what God has said and not what it's about? It's not about us. That it's about God's covenant as the promise of our inheritance, of the riches of, that we're to possess. What if we thought of the certainty of their fulfillment? What if we really looked at a mountain and said God's word's more sure than that? More sure. More certain. What if we turn to God who has purpose to do all of this for us, who keeps His covenant? What would our life really be like if we really trusted Him to do what He says? It'd be transformed. Our life can and will be all God would make it. If only we believed Him. If only we trusted Him. In entering into covenant with us, God's one objective is to draw us to Himself and to get us to depend entirely on Him and so bring us into a right position and disposition so that He can fill us with Himself, with His love, with His blessings, and with everything He's promised. Wow. And all, it's available. And He's doing it all that we would trust Him. But it's amazing to me, we trust everything but Him. We trust Google. I think God, I think God needs to get an Instagram account. Show us what He's doing. It's amazing to me. God has given me a promise. And I focus on the problem. God's given me a promise. And I'm worried about the future. We sang it. His yes is yes, right? His yes is yes and amen. So, so it is. Okay. Can it really be true? Even with our world of unbelief and rebellion and sin? Let's look at that scripture one more time. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and covenant love for what? A thousand generation. That surely includes ours. God's going to keep His covenant and His covenant love to our generation. Oh, that we would believe that. God's going to keep covenant because of His covenant love. How many of you know that God's never going to leave you nor forsake you? (laughs) How many of you felt forsaken? 
I wasn't supposed to ask that, was I? You see, we're real good at telling you what we believe, but we live like we've been forsaken. You see, I practice what I really believe, regardless of what I say I believe. So let me give you a promise. Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5, part B. The first part of it is don't be lusting after money, things, world. Don't be doing that. Be content with what you have. And then he gives a statement. And this is out of the Amplified Version translation of Scripture. Amplified, I call it the heart of hearing translation. The reason is we often don't get what it's really saying. The Amplified, let me show it to you. Hebrews 13, 5, part B, the finishing part. Here's why God says you can be content with such as you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Did you hear that? Now listen to me, it takes five negatives in English to tell you what the Greek said. God's saying, I won't, I will not, I will not, no I won't, I won't, I won't, I will not, I surely not, I won't, no, I'm, I'm, yep, I'm, I want you to hear that, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it with your ears. I want you to hear it with your spirit. God's saying, I'm never, no, never, no, never going to let my word fall to the ground. I'm going to bring it to pass and you are invited to participate in it. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, but preacher, it was only to those who love him and keep his commandments. Okay, let's just take that. If you knew God had made you promises that He would so assuredly keep, He'd let the mountains be moved before He'd let the promise be broken to you or a word fall to the ground. If you knew that, why wouldn't you love a God who loves you like that? Why would you not, why would you not obey one who is all about making sure you're blessed? Making sure you're provided for? Making sure He's benefiting you and blessing you. That you become an expression of His divine life in this world. Why would you not obey Him? When He's out for your best. Only one reason. You don't trust Him. And you want to be God in your own life. Well, let me tell you. I almost said, go for it. Because I know what the end of that is. It's a life apart from God and a life apart from promise and a life apart from guarantee. Take your best shot. But here, I want to tell you, you may think you can give up on God. You may think you can turn your back and make Him leave you alone. But I got news for you. God's not going to give up on you. Why? Because He is the faithful God who keeps covenant and covenant love 
to your generation. Whosoever will call upon His name will be made whole. Do you trust Him? We're going to be looking over the next few weeks of this covenant that God has given us to build up trust and hope, security and confidence in His guarantee. Let's trust Him. Amen? Bow with me in prayer. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we bless You and we thank You. Philippians 1.6, that we can be confident of this very thing, that He who began this good work in us will bring it on to completion even until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is He who has called us, who He will He Himself do it. God, you have made us promises. And Lord, as we look around the world, we we get fearful. But Lord, as we look to you, we get fulfilled with faith. You who began this thing is going to finish it. I trust you. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me because I look at how things have to do with me instead of how they have to do with you. I ask you to open up your eyes to our hearts that you would pour out a living river of living water this morning that would just wash away all our doubts and fears. It would just infuse us with trust for a God who's promised. A God who loved us, who gave His Son for us, that He might give His Son to us, that we might live through Him. Lord, You fulfill the promises. You're the one we lean on. You're the one we trust. Lord, no matter what need we have in our life today, we hold on to your promise. It's an anchor to our soul. You've said it. You've declared it. You will do it. (coughs) We trust you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.